in so many ways, it's so much better because I get to show up as myself. back to Speaking Queerly, a podcast by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, an LGBTQ organization based out of Columbus, Ohio. My name is Lane, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager at KYC. And I'm Mallory, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Civic Engagement and Advocacy Manager here at KYC. Uh, if you caught our last episode, we had an interview with Nix, who was one of our regular youth here at KYC and a high school swimmer. She's also a trans femme person, and she talked about her experiences as an athlete with the Ohio High School Athletic Association. This week on the pod, we have Julie Day. She's the Director of Finance and Grants Management here at KYC and also a semi-pro football player. Honestly, there's so much we could say about Julie. She's just an absolutely incredible person, but um, we'll let her tell her story. So let's just kick over to the interview. Welcome, Julie. We're so excited to have you here on Speaking Queerly. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, for those of you who don't have the uh, distinguished pleasure of getting to work with Julie Day every day here at KYC, uh, let's introduce you. So Julie works here at KYC. Um, She's a proud queer trans woman born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. She studied accounting at Western Governors University, but has always had a deep passion for helping others and mental health. So she originally studied psychology at the University of Charleston in West Virginia. Now she's accumulated over a decade of accounting and finance experience in many industries, including construction, restaurants, back office solutions, retail, real estate, healthcare, manufacturing, and nonprofits. Most recently, before coming to KYC, she handled financial and accounting procedures for grants with Equitas Health. Her unique experiences have stemmed from a deep love and appreciation for shaking things up, tackling new problems, and implementing new processes and procedures. As such, she writes macros in Excel for fun, and her least favorite phrase in the English language is, it's always been done this way. Outside of work, she enjoys spending time with her amazingly supportive wife and three stepchildren. Her hobbies include computer gaming, weightlifting, hiking, and football, which is appropriate for the theme of today's podcast. Absolutely. We, you know, with your vast array of experiences, we would love to have you on for a podcast just talking about Excel, because I know that's what the listeners here on Speaking Queerly want to hear. You know, that's also what people in uh, this organization want to hear, is I just love the look on people's faces as I start speaking about finance or macros. Yeah, it's enthralling. In fact, the one thing that I like hearing more about football is Excel, really. Right. (laughs) You know, I feel like we're really hitting um, all of the intersections of speaking queerly with uh, finance and football. It's, yeah, really, really gay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if it weren't for you, Julie, I would would have said no to anyone else talking about these things, but we're delighted to have you here to to enlighten us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Before we get into the hard-hitting questions, Lane will have you introduce this, but we have our add-on questions. So, if yeah, you will. Awesome. So, uh, every day at Kaleidoscope, when the youth come in, we do a check in with our name and pronouns, and then we do an add on question, which can range from what's your favorite animal to if you were a texture, what texture would you be? And for your add on question today, we have do you collect anything, or have you ever collected anything? And also, why? Mm. <laughs> do I collect anything? I collect, um, what do I collect? I know I collect something. It's there. Penguins. I do collect penguins. Uh, yeah, I love penguins. Are my favorite animal. To go back to that, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so I I love collecting things with penguins on it. Um, that was actually one of my uh, childhood nicknames because of how I ran. Was penguin. 
So <laughs> I did not know that. I'm so, also slightly built like a penguin. Okay. Yeah, I guess I could see that maybe. Yeah. You don't have the wings though. Yeah. You have a good wingspan though. Okay. All right. Well, so was this nickname given to you in a way that like you weren't a big fan of and then you reclaimed it by collecting penguins or did you find it so endearing or did you like the animal independent of the nickname? Um, so it was the nickname first, then I kind of just, I kind of dug it growing up. Like, you know, it was, as far as nicknames go, it could be worse. Sure. Uh -huh. You know? So I was like, you know what? And then as time went on, I just really enjoyed them. So mm -hmm. yeah, I have a lot of different penguin stuff, a lot of like penguin stuffed animals and stuff huh. like that. So Well, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. Lane, how about you? Do you have any collections? Uh, I think I'm starting like a, like a hobby collection mm. of all the various sports. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely used to collect rocks and like label them with names. Classic. Yeah. Very classic. Yeah, I think the hobby collection is relatable for sure. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever like... I think at one point in my childhood, I was like, I'm going to have a baseball card collection because that just seemed like a cool thing to do. So for a while, I had like binders full of random baseball cards, but I didn't really know what to do with them, you know, <laughs> so I just kind of paged through and like, oh, okay. But I think I wanted a collection of something for the sake of having a collection, you know? You know what? That's fair. I think everyone had a baseball card collection at some point. Like if you were even the least bit sporty, at yeah. some point you have you had like this binder that you had no idea where it even came from. Right. You never asked for a baseball card collection. You just somehow ended up with one. Yes. And my dad was super jazzed that I wanted to collect them. So the next thing I know, I had his baseball card collection in my possessions. Right. And then I think that eventually got transferred over to my brother, which um, I don't know where it lives now, but now oh, I'm intrigued. No. But yeah, I think now I just collect books. My bookshelves are covered, which is a lot less exciting than baseball cards. I don't know. Probably. I, yeah. I mean... You have more narrative than the cards. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. You have an entire life story on the back of a baseball card. Right. Mm -hmm. And books are a lot harder to move when you, like, move Truly. houses. Baseball cards is just a couple binders, depending on how vast your collection is. But moving a collection of books makes me want to never read again. So That's, that's <laughs> very fair. And also, like, if you destroy a baseball card, very few people get mad. Oh, true. Like, if you mess up and, like, accidentally destroy a book, right. like... I'm pretty sure you become the main character of Twitter. Right. Or, you know, baseball cards, I, to my knowledge, baseball cards haven't been banned. There's not been legislation to ban baseball cards, but, you know, <laughs> anyway. From your ears to the state house. <laughs> yeah, because I know. Or from your mouth to the state house, I, I should say. the legislators are listening to speaking clearly, I hope. Um, well, speaking of legislation, and, you know, I kind of teased this earlier, um, there are a lot of things we'd love to have you here on Speaking Clearly to talk about. And I hate, like last week um, we talked to Nix and I would like, I hate to have her on just to talk about this horrible thing that she's experiencing. And that's just discrimination in the sport that she loves. Right. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to bring you on too, because I think you bring a really unique and insightful perspective on the issue of trans women in sports. And I don't say issue of like, Oh, there's an issue with that. We have a problem, <laughs> but just like, you know, the topic of trans women in sports. So we're going to grill you on the sad parts of your favorite sport. Yeah, hey, so you up. know why? Um, that's life. Yeah. Well, first I, I think just like, we introduced you at the beginning. I want to hear you, Julie. Like, tell us a little bit about you and, like, you know, what are some things you love, things you've grown up doing? Like, talk to us about you. Okay. I mean, I feel like you all had pretty much the uh, life story of me at the very beginning of this. Um, but, yeah, so I've always kind of managed to find a way to stay hidden through 
through growing up. And by doing that, I actually found passion in things that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. So things like football, things like weightlifting, just sports in general, kind of all of these topics that we generally code as masculine. I had to find safety in those. So because of that, I have kind of found a love for them. And so now I'm reclaiming them in a different way. And as far as like everything else, you know, everything was there. I do so much of my life is with my wife, my kids, you know, keeping things up around the house, keeping things up around here. I really just a lot of work goes yeah. into things, thinking about like this job and everything that I do here. So I don't get as much opportunity to work directly with our youth or to work directly with um, some of our community members, but I do have a lot of opportunities to work with our funders and some of the other decision makers in Columbus. Right. And, and it's not that you don't get to work with the youth, like, I mean, directly, sure, but without the work you do, none of us could be here working with the youth, you know what I mean? So right. I hope you don't undersell that. <laughs> oh, that no, I... I appreciate that, but also without all of you doing that hard work and doing all the work that you do in the community, there wouldn't be me. There's sure. no need for me if you all aren't doing the work and you're not doing as amazing job as you all do. Sure. In this economy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, accounting is the first place you cut. <laughs> it's true. Well, so Julie, you, you talked about football and that's, you know, why we wanted to have you here today. Full transparency, I know so little about football, it's not even funny. Like, I learned recently, I don't know, this is a sidebar, but um, my family, a lot of my dad's side of the family, they're big Notre Dame fans. Yeah. And so that's like the primary football team that I grew up like watching and rooting for or whatever. And so when they would talk about a Hail Mary, I truly 100% with full confidence thought that a Hail Mary was something unique to... Notre Dame because Catholicism, Hail Mary, like it just went hand right. Hand. And then not that long ago, like embarrassingly recently, somebody said something about a Hail Mary with Ohio State, and I was like, "What? <laughs> Other teams have those? You know?" So that's what we're working with here, Julie. But and you know what? That's fair because it used to be called a bomb, and it was actually because of uh, Roger Staubach for the um, Dallas Cowboys in the seventies. They called it a Hail Mary off of one of the plays that uh, they completed. Well, I did not know that either. So, huh. yeah. Fascinating. You know, that that's the hard-hitting information you brought me on for. Honestly. I, I love the fun facts. <laughs> I love, I honestly, I like fun facts about sports because I feel like it um, humanizes it in a way that's right. not just talking like stats and numbers, you know, which I know you love, but. <laughs> you know, I, I do love the stats and numbers. Yeah. I well, can't deny it. When did you first start playing football? I started playing football at five years old. Oh, wow. And that was Full tackle football, full pads, everything. Uh, the early 90s were a completely different era of existence. <laughs> right, right. So I was going to say, like, when you're, I guess, like, when you're playing full tackle football as a five-year-old, I imagine it's like, yeah, you're tackling each other, but it's not as, like, you don't have, like, a 200-pound person coming at your head, right? I, I don't know. No, but Is I it mean, still, like, like, aggressive? It's, it's aggressive. I mean, have you ever seen a five-year-old, like, fully just running as full speed. Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine that, but with the intent of tackling another five-year-old. So that's, I mean, that's still pretty intense. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, and th when you're that age and you're playing, like it feels like you're in the Super Bowl. like yeah. every game just feels so big to you. Cause it's, it is, it's like the biggest thing you've ever done. There's people in the crowds watching you play football. Uh huh. Like 
what five-year-old doesn't want that? Sure. So when you first started playing, like, was that a decision you made for yourself? Were you like, yes, I want to play football? Or was somebody like, oh, you should play football and just sign you up? Because I know that's how I got entangled in soccer initially. Was my family was like, oh, I bet she might like soccer. And there I was. So, so <laughs> yeah, so it was actually... Now that I think about it, I don't think I ever once said, like, I want to play football. It was just sort of like an expectation. Mm. So um, my older brother played football. And so I grew up, like, I don't remember a life without it. Mm-hmm. And so I knew very early on that, like, this was a good way of kind of hiding who I was. Because mm-hmm. by that age, I also knew I was trans. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Like... Talk, talk to us about that, like, <laughs> your first realizations that, like, hey, something's up, I think it might be trans. Yeah, so it, it was kind of the really classic, like, as soon as I knew that I could be different, I was, I felt like I was different. And then I also knew very quickly in the, um, you know, kind of the community I was in, in the f- family and everything, that it would not be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned very early on how to hide. And so it's, you know, when you think about it as like five years old, you're already hiding who you are and trying to find another version of yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's really interesting to think of it in that way. Right. Cause I, I feel like when people think about, especially five years old, gosh, that's so young, you know, and, and, you know, middle schoolers, even like, you know, high school, you're still very much figuring out who you are, but to be that young and to have that level of self-awareness and then be so socially aware to know like, okay, this thing that I'm, I know about myself, I have to hide that rather than just embracing it, you know? Yeah. And that's been, it, it, it's been a journey because then you spend so much of your time and so much of your life in that space of survival of hiding and everything else that, you know, I think your question here said, when did you first come out as transgender? And I didn't come out until I was 32. Wow. So for 27 years, I lived with that knowledge and just kind of tried to do everything I could to not be trans, uh, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) So you, as you're playing football, you said that that was, like a safe place for you, right? Talk to us a little bit about that. It was, so it was safe in a way that it provided me with cover. Um, nobody is ever going to suspect you if you are a offensive lineman of being a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Like that's just sort of not the person you would be like, okay, someone on this football team is trans. <laughs> Clearly, it's going to be the person who's bench pressing 300 pounds. You know, like, so there were a lot of things that I was doing to help kind of create this, not personality, not like, you know, but like create this aura that was kind of impenetrable. And so even when things would come up, because, you know, you're a teenager, you still do dumb teenager stuff. <laughs> um, and so, People would be like, oh, I heard so-and-so. Did you hear about so-and-so? And it's like, no, you guys are all just blowing it out of proportion. I mean, look at me. I'm a football player. Right. And that was 
almost all I had to say to stop any of that conversation. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's funny the the way you just worded that um, comeback, if you will. The, there's that movie that we've all known, but I'm a cheerleader. You know, you're the opposite, but I'm a football player. Right. Be me, right? Exactly. You know? I was living the plot and I didn't even know it. Right, right. <laughs> That's so interesting. So tell us about your journey in football, just like, you know, your, some of your successes, your favorite moments, like tell us about your football career. And I know Julie, you can, for those who don't know Julie, Julie can be a very humble person and isn't going to brag about her successes. Right. But like, I want you to use this chance to just like not so humbly brag about your career in football. Okay. Um, so I guess the, the funnest, the, the, probably the biggest fun fact for me is that I, was captain of my football team back in uh, 2005. And so I, I, I struggle with this. You know I do. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I had some opportunities to play in college. I was undersized, which is ironic in a lot of ways looking at things now. But because of my height, mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily recruited. I had a lot of the skill set. Mm -hmm. that people would be looking for. I did pretty well at football camps, um, did one in uh, University of Kentucky. And so, yeah, I was captain, all-star. I played in an all-star game. That was actually my last full game was in 2006. Mm. So we're coming back after almost 20 years away from the sport. So, so you didn't play in college then you played in high school. Yeah. Uh, once I reached college, I was like, okay, I have a little bit more space. I got away from home. I was able to kind of embrace myself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I also realized I was like, this is not something that I can keep doing at this level because I'm 5'6", and everybody else on the offensive line was 6'3". I played football with people who went to the NFL. Like, wow. So you have these experiences, and you're like sitting there going, okay, but I'm nowhere near this size. I'm nowhere near like this capability of this biological advantage that these people have. So I just didn't continue. Right. Well, I think that's interesting because something we talked about last week and I know is like the thing that drives me most crazy about the um, arguments about trans women competing in sports is that they say like, oh, well, you have this biological advantage and here we are five, six over here. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's not that you were towering over some of your teammates. In fact, you, you admit that there were others who were better and you're like, okay, I've had fun doing this. And yeah. And it was funny because there was always the joke that was like, um, as you went through the line, it was like six, three, six, two, six foot, five, six, six, seven. <laughs> and so like, that was how our line was set up. And it's just like this one, like indent was me. <laughs> Right. And, and yet, like, not to diminish the fact that, like, you still excelled in football. You know what I mean? You yeah. You weren't going to go to the NFL. You were going to come to KYC. And we're all happy that that decision was Right. Made, you, know? you know, like, that, that, was the, that was not in the cards for me. And, you know, sometimes things just aren't the way that you want them to turn out. So I am going to interrupt at this point to remind our viewers that Julie just signed a semi-pro football contract. <laughs> right. <laughs> so excellent segue, Lane. Let's unpack that, two of you. Yeah. yeah. So what about it? Uh, so it just it wasn't in the cards, you said? <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't. So, and this was actually uh, something that popped up on social media for me it was... Um, that we have a women's semi-pro football team here in Columbus. It's called the Columbus Chaos. Um, 
And I knew I had a friend out in Austin who was a trans woman who was playing in the same league. Mm-hmm. Is actually in the same division. So you know, all things work out. Then you know, we're coming for you, River. Um, <laughs> but if not, you know, it's still it's still great to know that there is a league that is accepting and that they are inclusive. And so since the first day at practice, I so to backtrack a little bit because I speak in circles. That's right. <laughs> um, so this comes across my social media and I look and I was like, okay, well, I don't think I'm ready yet. I think I need to train some more. I need to get back in shape before I begin this whole thing. And so that was in like October. That was their first set of tryouts. And as far as I knew, the last. And then as I'm getting in better shape, I'm like sitting there and I'm checking their social media. I'm like, okay, if they have like one final tryout type deal, I'm going to join. I'm going to try out and we're going to see how this goes. And turns out that they did, and that's the one that I ended up making. And so, like, yeah. And so I signed a contract with them in December uh, to play with them this year. So we're... uh, And you have your first game coming up soon. Yeah. Our first game is April 22nd up in Detroit. Um, Our first home game, I believe, is May 8th. And our home field is in Whitehall. Nice. Tell us, like... And I know so many subtle brags, right? You know, like we haven't fully <laughs> celebrated the magnitude of this, of this thing, right? Because like, you know, Elaine and I have talked about, and probably to the point ad nauseum of the fact that we've gotten into sports and hobbies again, <laughs> like things that we loved as kids that we're like, you know, finding again as adults mm-hmm. and we're getting into that. And yeah. I think there's something so wonderful about, like I was just at the park the other day and I saw a bunch of adults playing ultimate frisbee at the park, you know, I'm like, that's just so wonderful and wholesome. And I love that people are doing these things, you know? And, and I think that's great, like getting into sports, but like for you, tell us about what it feels like to play this sport. That was such a huge part of your life growing up, but now getting to do it as your authentic self, like getting to do it as you, Julie versus like this, you know, closeted kid. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because there's a lot of different feelings around this. So in so many ways, it's so much better because I get to show up as myself. I don't have to kind of be constantly aware of, oh, did I shave my legs? Is someone going to notice? Is someone going to notice this little bit of nail polish on my fingers? Is someone going to notice that my eyebrows are plucked a little more? Like, there's so many little things that I was dealing with while trying to portray this masculinity and also be authentic to myself growing up that in that space was so difficult and so nerve-wracking and it was just so all-encompassing. And now I'm showing up as myself, which has a different level of fear because then it's like, oh, you don't dislike this persona I've created. You don't dislike this fake person that I'm pretending to be. If you don't like me, you don't like me. Oh, wow. And that's like a different level of stress. It's like, so I'm showing up authentically. I don't have to hide myself, but I also don't get to hide myself as much. And so accepting that like, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be kind of myself and be a little bit public facing in a a lot of different ways is, has been like the biggest part of the journey, but mostly it's just so much peace being brought to me Mm -hmm. and so much support and love and care from like my teammates, my coaches. Um, We just had trans day of visibility. I made a post on social media about it. And so many of the other players were like liking and commenting. And so it just makes you feel like, I, I'm almost getting emotional talking about it, right. <laughs> but like it does mean so much in that. 
So, so I remember when you were going to try out for this team, you sent me a text message and you were like, do you think I should try out for football? And I thought it was like a flag football team, maybe like a pickup <laughs> league. And I was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and then um, you went to the tryouts. And so can you talk to us? What was it like going to that first tryout and meeting all these people for the first time? Um, that was very intense and very nerve wracking because, you know, coming out, as a trans woman, you know that there are different experiences that you're going to be facing and no experience is ever going to be the same. And very rarely are they ever going to go the way you expect them to go. So when I showed up to that first practice, it was cold. It was like wet and muddy. And I went out in the tank top because I was like, I'm not going to like, I got to portray this like tough girl image. (laughs) And so like I went out there and immediately some of the other players were just so warm and so kind Mm. and it's just a completely different experience like having your femininity your womanhood recognized and celebrated and so as I'm talking to the coaches and as I'm going through this tryout you know I have a skill set of being a football player of having all of these reps that I've done since the age of five through high school, mm-hmm. I took like one season off that entire time. So when you add that like lifetime of repetitions of um, all of the snaps that I've taken, like obviously I'm coming in with a skill set. Right. And so having that celebrated and having that affirmed and even having like people almost be excited that I'm a trans woman was such a weird experience for me. (laughs) But it was like, oh, you're trans? Cool. It was like not like, oh, you're trans. Here's how we got to work around this. Or, oh, you're trans. Well, let me talk to the league or let me deal with this. We got, it was, you're trans? Cool. Just so you know, we've got all this stuff set up. Right. That's amazing. That's so awesome. I went in ready to like, okay, do I need to have, I had my medical records. Wow. Like I had all of this stuff backed up. I had all of my stuff ready for this. I was like, I was anticipating like having to sign on that day. Like, yes, I was assigned male at birth. Like that's what I expected right. going into this and like just being like cold shouldered and treated like people treat people on the internet. Right. <laughs> I remember, um, after that uh, tryout getting like such a happy jazz text from you <laughs> and now I'm excited for your teammates to hear you bragging on them right yeah and I mean they're amazing women like just top to bottom just some of the coolest most different like diverse group of people that I've ever been around and that's kind of something that I've missed from um team sports mm. is this you know because there's so many different walks of life that even in a place like this, we have a lot of diversity of opinion and thought, but sometimes we don't have the diversity of experience that uh, you get in spaces where people are truly coming from all walks of life to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, places like this, we often end up in a space where it's maybe not representative of everybody. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what's so important about having, like, you, as you said, people from all walks of life, all races, genders, ethnicities, sexualities, you know, gender identities. I can't remember all the things that I've said, yeah. but like, that's, you know, okay. It's one thing to have an elite team where everyone's like, you know, you're making it to state or whatever you're competing for. But like, it, there's also so much more value to having a team where like, 
you're learning about different experiences. You're learning from different people. You're befriending people you wouldn't have gotten to otherwise, you know, like that's more fun to me than being on this like elite state championship winning team, you know? Exactly. And, and I think that like the biggest, the biggest way I can phrase this is when I'm called pro at practice, it has nowhere near the level of like ickiness as like when I get called bro on the street by someone because it's like this is just how these these women are this is how we talk to each other it's like like a very athlete space and being in that athlete space kind of gives you like this like space to not have to be as performative sometimes yeah so I have I catch myself with my language yeah (laughs) well there's so much there's so many questions that I want to ask so I'm gonna see if I can like get these before they leave my mind the the first is like tying back to an episode a couple episodes ago where we were talking about like like what is womanhood define womanhood there's no one way to be a woman right and you're talking about like you played football in a way to like be more masculine and to try to like hide the feminine parts of you and like you know football scene is a very masculine sport. I would venture to say most women listening to this podcast didn't even have the opportunity or thought they didn't have the opportunity to play football growing up because Mm -hmm. it's a boy's sport. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for you then to be playing football now and to be experiencing this in a very feminine way and like you're embracing your femininity, others are embracing your femininity. You're playing on an all women's team. Like that's so interesting that you're like, you're queering football. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and I, I should say that like, the women's football league is very queer as most women's sports kind of tend to. Um, but so we, we definitely are very, very much queering up a sport that is very resistant to it. Sure. Um, there are a lot of opinions around the greater football sphere that, you know, and about how bad mm-hmm. women's football is. Mm. And, you know, these ideas that, like, we can't compete on the same level. And we're not given the opportunities to. We are not given the support to. We're not given um, the time. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not, like, preparing women to become football players. We're not preparing our assumed young ladies to be in the weight room lifting for strength. We want them to not get too bulky. Mm-hmm. We're not giving them the time to, like, or the influence to say, hey, you can go be a football player. You can go try out on the football team, and we'll support you. We have coaches pushing women out of the game. We have other players pushing women out of the game. And so it's really sad. Um, Our league is all essentially pay-to-play or sponsorships. Mm -hmm. So you're either paying or you're getting your own sponsors to cover your expenses. And that's pretty much league wide. And so you compare us to the semi-pro men's leagues where a lot of them, a lot of them are still paying, you know, they don't have necessarily the same funding as the NFL, but like our top league compared to the top men's league, there's a drastic difference. Well, even the fact that your top league is a semi-pro league as opposed to the NFL, you know, like even with, you know, we can talk all day about the, um, differences in like pay equity and just like, you know, recognition generally between like the women's national women's soccer league versus the men's versus yeah. like women's, um, and NBA, NBA, WNBA. Yes, yes, yes. WNBA. Thank you for, you know, the sports people. <laughs> um, 
So there's these inequities, and then there's, like, the ultimate inequity of just, like, not having the league to begin with. Right. And so it, it really kind of flies in the face of this idea that, like, someone would transition just to become good at a sport. Um, I'd, I don't think that anybody would want to transition to pay $1,000 to play at a high school football field. You know, you're doing this for the love of the game. Right. You know, you're not doing this for anything other than to be yourself as yourself playing with other people who are like you and who are experiencing things that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you touched on just a minute ago is the way sports like in general pushes you to be your best self and to kind of throw those gender norms in the winds. Like I don't need to be like trim. I want to have muscles. I want to be strong. Mm -hmm. I want to be capable and so what really breaks my heart is that we want to take that opportunity away from young trans girls mm -hmm. who are already dealing with so many emotional sandbags in a society that doesn't want them here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's not even to speak about, you know, the body image issues that are mm -hmm. already plaguing young girls of all walks of life, but also young trans girls who are also dealing with experiences of their bodies changing to be the way that society says women shouldn't be right. women shouldn't be strong. They shouldn't be, um, tough. They shouldn't be muscular. They should be soft and feminine and in the kitchen, mm -hmm. like all of the things that society keeps telling women. And so you have these young trans girls taking in this, um, this information. And so you see a rise of eating disorders among trans sure. people. Yeah. You see a rise of, um, self-harming with young people who are dealing with this kind of stuff. So because they're trying to delay that puberty process, right? They're either trying to delay the puberty process or circumvent it, mm -hmm. um, or set themselves up. There's so much talk about, well, you need to lose the weight before you block your hormones or before you go on hormone therapy, because once you start hormone therapy, it's going to be so much harder to lose. That is an active conversation that happens in trans yeah. communities that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. And that's if you're even getting to that point when you have people who go, you know what? It's probably just too late for you. Mm. It's saying that it's too, but, but that's so opposite of like so many people are saying like, oh, we shouldn't let people under 18 have gender affirming care because it's too early. Mm -hmm. They don't know themselves yet. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, you're an adult. It's too late for you. You know what I mean? Then, then when is the right time? And, and I say all this. The, the answer not, is yes, never. Correct. Like, exactly. <laughs> like I, I know they want you to think that the answer is never, but in fact, it is always the right time to be, yeah. who you, are, you know, the, the right time is the first chance you get that you can feel safe and that you feel like you are able to do it. And if you're not able to do it that first time. It doesn't mean you've missed your window. Right. Um, I've probably nearly come close to coming out or transitioning multiple times throughout my life. And it wasn't until I was in a space where I finally felt like I could come out, lose the social supports that I had, um, while retaining the ones that I, that mm -hmm. did stay. But you know, it's one of those things like you have to be prepared to lose everything, right. uh, as a trans woman coming out. And so like, I didn't lose everything, thankfully. Yeah. I, I did lose some. And, uh, you know, you keep moving on with what you have left. And you've gained back something that has so much meaning to you, too. Yeah. And, and I, most importantly, I, I've gained myself. Mm. And I think that's an important thing to, like, never lose sight of as you're talking about trans identities and trans experiences is that, you know, is the trans transition isn't the end 
of your, like, it's not the end goal. That's the start of your next phase. Like, it's the start of the next chapter. Yeah. So. Well, you describe all these, like, potential hardships, right, that could result of coming out and transitioning. And, like, one of the arguments, which I hate to boost up on here, but, you know, like, let's, let's address it, right? right? So many people are like, oh, well, you know, you, you know, you would be the perfect example. You were five, six, and you're not going to make it to the NFL. So some people might say, well, you know, you just transitioned to be able to excel at women's sports. What would you say to that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> remember this is KYC appropriate, right? Right. What would you say to that? Yes. Uh, the views and, uh, expressed on this podcast are not representative <laughs> of KYC as a whole. No, um, the, I, I struggle with this cause like it's such a backwards interpretation of why someone transitions. Like why would someone put their body through all of this? Why would someone lose 30 to 40% of their strength? Why would someone lose uh, a lot of their, social network why would someone put so much on the line for a sport that most of you don't care about unless i'm here mm -hmm. um you know and so that's where it's always this kind of like okay but even if i had done it just to get a competitive edge in women's semi-pro football which if that doesn't sound a little bit out there to you it's because it is out there and they don't care that it's out there yeah. but you know and it's the same thing I hear about trans youth in high school it's like oh you're just transitioning because you want to be good at the sport it's like have you ever met a young cis boy there is no way that they are going to give up all of their life their social life their interactions with girls if they're straight like they're not going to give all of that up just to be really good and win a high school tournament. Mm -hmm. Like the very idea that that's the point is insanely laughable to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also have to know, you know, because we talk about transitioning like getting on hormones that like that doesn't define you as a trans person. Like you are trans even without the hormones. Right. And you're someone who like didn't come out until you were what? 30, you 32, said? 32. And so you went through male puberty, mm -hmm. you know, you were an adult, didn't have puberty blockers, anything like that. Right. Which under the current OHSAA guidelines, they say you need to be able to have, to prove that you've been on hormones for a year and prove that you don't have any biological advantage. Right. Yada, yada, yada. Right. But as somebody who, you know, under that consideration has gone through this, may have a biological advantage, whatever, you know, we could. Right. I, again, I, I, I'm talking I, to debunk this argument, right? I still argue that my advantages are sociological more than biological. Right. Right. But again, I'm saying all yeah. these things to let's, let's get on their argument, right? There are a lot of folks who have testified in favor of the trans athlete ban who have said, Oh, you know, as a, as a female athlete, as a cisgender female athlete, like I could never compete with the boys. I could never compete with a boy. Like that would just ruin my entire experience. Right. You know, and like as somebody playing tackle football, there, there's so many questions I have. Right. But like, that would be a prime example of somebody who's bigger, stronger, taller, whatever, you know, if that's really the advantage that yeah, up, right. As they say, do you, 
how does that come to play when you're playing tackle football now? You know what I mean? Like, are you going easy on the cisgender women or are, <laughs> like, are they going easy on you? you know, no, like, um, I, so like, I, you've all seen, so like my arms are pretty well bruised up. I, I wear <laughs> sleeves cause you know, all of the people, all the questions that get asked, no, they are not going easy on me. Right. And, um, neither am I going easy on them because as far as the biological side of things, I have had such a huge drop in my strength and my muscle mass. I, I alluded to the fact that at one point my bench press was almost 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently I barely got up like 200. Wow. So you're talking about a 33% drop and I know for the statistics nerds N equals one, but still, um, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also a lived experience. (laughs) Right. Um, right. And so like my strength is nowhere near what it Mm -hmm. used to be. Um, I also have this really interesting conundrum that pops up around this whole debate because you hear a lot of this from like the shock jock sports type people. And then they'll do a whole, this whole thing on how terrible trans women competing is. And then they'll turn around and talk about low T centers. So, um, what they're admitting to is that having lower testosterone does hurt your muscles. Mm -hmm. It does hurt your uh, performance. It does hurt your athletic ability. Um, so they are more than willing to admit that not having testosterone is an impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to trans women, it no longer is. Right. Yeah. Well, we could talk all day about the ways that gender affirming care is, you know, as accessible as sneezing for cisgender people. (laughs) Right. Um, and then trans people could wait their whole lives and, and never receive it. Right. I mean, I don't even think you have to sneeze to get on hormone therapy as a, (laughs) as like a AFAB person. Right. Like they'll just throw, I think they just include that in like your middle school like lunchbox now. Oh right, just yes. like uh-huh. it's like in one of the containers of your lunchable actually. Right. <laughs> no, that's yeah. No, I, I asked all that just because I true I know you are not going easy on anyone, <laughs> no. and I know like your teammates, but like you know it all goes back to like having that diverse array of people on the team. If everybody was the exact same size, the exact same height, the exact same weight, whatever, it's like you're not being challenged to be better. You're not being challenged to like try a different technique. I don't know how tackling works. Right. But I well, imagine there are, there are different tackling right? techniques. Um, and so like, and there is a lot of learning that's still going on mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the women didn't have that opportunity to play sure, as they were growing yeah. up, as they were entering high school. So, you know, there are, and that's why I say like, in a lot of ways, my advantages are sociological more so than biological because I was given the opportunity to play football. Mm-hmm. So I have a lifetime's worth of experience reading plays, knowing what steps to take, knowing how to block people, these things that are very rudimentary parts of every game and every sport, knowing the rules. When you grow up with something and you grow up around it, you have all of this stuff and it becomes innate to you. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of women who are growing up, they're not given that opportunity or when they try to have that opportunity, it's taken from them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like when I was in the weight room, it was always, you're lifting for strength. If you get bulky, you get bulky, but you're lifting to be the strongest person there. Mm -hmm. And then you see how young women are treated in a lot in the weight room. And it's, well, you don't want to get too bulky. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't want to gain too much strength. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you're still pretty. Right. And so now that I'm like with this team of women who are 
some of them are gorgeous. Like, I'm not going to say they're, like, not pretty women. Right. But, like, they are tough. Right. These are women who are not shying away from, you know, if I put on muscle, I put on muscle, but I'm going to be the baddest girl here. Right. You know? And so it's helping to push each other right. in a lot of ways. Right. I think one other, like, argument that I want to try to debunk here, and it segues perfectly from what you just said, like, you, the, you know, psychological advantage you have, the, just the knowing of, like, how the game is played and, like, the different techniques and strategies that you were taught from various coaches growing up, like, that advantage, it comes from playing the sport growing up. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people who say, like, when we, when we say this bill, the transgender athlete ban would prevent women, trans women from playing sports, right? It would prevent them from doing this. A lot of folks will turn around and say, well, it doesn't prevent them from playing on the boys team. They can play on the boys team, right? <laughs> that is an experience that, sure, okay, all things considered, you can do that. But also, it's preventing you from playing as your authentic self. Right. right? And so you're not really getting to play as you. As somebody who grew up playing this sport, an opportunity that was <laughs> afforded to you because you were assigned male at birth. Right. Tell us, like, how does that question, how does that argument argument resonate with you? So I think that it, because it does hit a couple different ways. Because when I was presenting male and doing football growing up, it was survival. This wasn't necessarily something that I always enjoyed growing up, but I knew that I had to do it in order to survive. And I, I say that not to be kind of macabre about how this all plays out but for a lot of trans people you know there's a survival aspect to getting through things and so that's how I was that's really the only frame of reference I have as being a trans girl who was playing sports with boys was I wasn't myself I was always hiding who I was and if I was out I would have been kicked off the team. Mm -hmm. Just like we kick girls off of boys teams all the time. Mm -hmm. We've kicked girls off of football teams since the start of football. Like that's the whole conceit of the whole thing is that you're not going to be given the opportunity to play with the boys because the boys won't let you. The coaches won't let you. Mm -hmm. At some point in time, we have to unpack the fact that these are patriarchal systems that are going to support patriarchal people. Mm -hmm. And the whole argument suggests that trans women are men, right? they're not in any capacity. And when we do that, we're saying that your body, your hormones, you know, your genitalia determines your gender, and those two things are completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. can't be reducing people down to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are the least interesting <laughs> things about us. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Like, there's so much more in our experiences than what our bodies are and what we were born with between our legs. Mm -hmm. For instance, Microsoft Excel. They're right. Yeah. Experience now. Exactly. I, I thought you were saying Microsoft Excel between your legs. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, whoops. Oh, like, there's more my, than my, And that's an option I hadn't heard of. Yeah. My, my gender is Excel. Yeah. <laughs> well, do what you love, Julie. <laughs> you know? Um, well, I guess uh, closing thoughts here. Um, what are some other things you like? What, what last thoughts do you have to say for people who think that trans women don't belong in women's sports? Um, grow up. Uh, <laughs> like, that's what I mostly want to say is you don't care about trans women in women's sports. You don't care about women's sports. All you care about is hurting people. Um, 
I, I would like to say that like there's anything I could say that would change the mind of these people, mm -hmm. but most of them don't believe enough of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, again, views and opinions are mine alone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but I think one of the other big things to remember is that it's a sports isn't about fairness. It's about becoming better people. And so if you're watching sports and you're becoming a worse person, you're not doing sports right. Mm -hmm. If you are playing sports and you're becoming a worse person, you're not performing sports right. Sports are games. Th these are games that we play to have fun and compete in a way that isn't harmful to others. So maybe just learn how to play a game. Mm -hmm. Say it louder for the people in the back. It's <laughs> true. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on here and for sharing your experience. And I'm so excited to get to cheer you on on the field. Yes. Too, you know, I, I think, think we have a whole group going up for your first game. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope I don't injure myself again before then. Well, this I just have to say this might be the one and only time I've ever been excited to watch football. So well, thank you for giving me incentive to. You know to what? Hopefully, hopefully more people feel like that and. Uh, you know, I can convert you to being a full-time fan. Yeah, yeah. So. Now that I know what a Hail Mary is, exactly. I, I know everything, really. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I'm well, going to be calling plays from the stands. <laughs> and you know what? I, I would appreciate that. And I'm more than willing to help you learn I, how plays work. I look forward to that. I really do. <laughs> Truly. Well, thank you so much for being on, Julie. And, you know, we appreciate your just storytelling and your enthusiasm for for sharing it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and I appreciate this opportunity. Go chaos. Yeah. Go chaos. <laughs> all day. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Speaking Queerly. If you have any suggestions for future topics or if you have any questions that you'd like us to address during future episodes, send an email to Mallory over here at M-A-L-L-O-R-Y at KYCOhio.org. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend so they can be a part of the conversation too. You can also follow us on all social media platforms at KYC Ohio. And if you've liked what you've heard so far, visit us at www.kycohio.org donate to make a one-time donation or join our unity circle. Your contributions will help KYC continue to serve LGBTQIA plus youth youth <laughs> through programming, community-based wellness, and behavioral health supports, uh, or through educational tools like trainings and this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon on Speaking Queerly. Yeehaw! Yeah, I second that. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>